0: You're listening to the Missionary Perspective podcast with veteran missionaries, Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Eric, it is good to see you again. And uh, we want to welcome everybody back to the Missionary Perspective podcast. We are going strong. I think we're on uh, just we're passing 40 episodes now. We're just rolling and uh, still haven't run out wow. of topics yet. Now, I heard over there, this <laughs> one we could chat about, is there a hurricane or some sort of a tropical weather you guys are experiencing over there?
1: Well, we actually just got through it. Uh, last Saturday, we had this very large uh, youth activity, was praying that the, the rain would hold off. And uh, actually, right before the activity started raining a little bit, I was praying, Lord, please uh, don't don't send the rain quite yet. And he didn't. He just sent the sun. In fact, I forgot to put on my sunscreen that by the end of this activity, one of the kids walked up to me and said, hey, pastor, you look like a red tomato. So uh, the (laughs) Lord was very good to give us sunshine for that day. And the next day, the hurricane came in. Now, thankfully for us here in the Dominican, it was only at a level one. It did hit some places on the coast. Some people did have some damage, uh, but very little damage in comparison to some islands that are basically completely underwater. So we praise the Lord that it wasn't too difficult of a storm. And where we live in the country in the middle, um, we're very rarely affected by the strong winds because we kind of live in a valley surrounded by mountains. We just get rain. And so uh, for us, it was just a cool day with some coffee and chili. So uh, praise the Lord for that. And uh, and uh, here we are talking about missions once again.
0: Yeah, very good. In fact, you know, the way the weather goes, I've read and I've, I've seen that a lot of the uh, storms that come off of our coast, the wind that comes sweeping through the Sahara Desert and then blows out to sea is the uh, where the hurricanes start and then they move to you guys. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like we're pushing it over your way and send you all our <laughs> trouble. You don't get the sand that we get, but uh, no. we don't experience the same type of storms you guys do. Well, good. Well, we are going to talk about speaking of uh, storms and uh, maybe storms affect buildings mm-hmm. and damage and uh, you always need construction. Mm -hmm. It seems like, Eric, is this true where you live? I know it's true living here. It seems like there's always something that needs to be repaired construction-wise on your building, whether it's your own home or your church. And uh, we're going to talk today about uh, what most missionaries don't think about Mm -hmm. when they're going to the mission field, but a lot of missionaries get involved with, that is construction.
1: Yeah, uh, it's that. It's funny that you say that, Josh, just in this last two or three weeks, we've been working nonstop on different renovations and fixes. Uh, so maybe a little bit of additions here on the church building. And uh, in fact, in just a few minutes, when we finish this podcast, I'll be going to have a meeting with a builder and we're going to start yet again, another construction project with a building for one of our church planners. So it is one of those things that you're kind of constantly either repairing or building.
0: That's true. And we have, um, We just recently, uh, yesterday, in fact, we finalized the purchase of property for our church here. And uh, we are going to meet in the coming weeks with another missionary who is in another town. He is an uh, architectural engineer uh, type of deal that he does. And so he's going to help us uh, get blueprints for our buildings. We have three structures that we want to construct over the next yeah, five years or so. We want to build a church building. That'll be our first uh, first building that we're going to put up, and then our second building is going to be kind of a, an institute and dormitory. So we're going to have classrooms and uh, and uh, dorms to host people. And then the third one is we want to develop a clinic. We want to build kind of a <laughs> clinic hospital that uh, guy in our church, he's a doctor, and he's going to oversee that. And so we're excited about all that coming together. And so we are, yeah, we're getting ready to decide mm-hmm. the big question, do we wanna bring a team <laughs> from the States to help us yeah. construct or do we simply stay with local help? And so you've, you've done construction in the past, we've done construction in the past. Uh, so with your building projects, uh, how have how, how has your experience gone? I think we got a couple of questions we're going to look at, but just kind of give us a quick mm-hmm. overview of the buildings that you've overseen constructed. And then did you have teams come in? Did you mostly work with nationals? And then we're going to get into some details about the pros and cons of how to approach building on the mission field.
1: Yeah. So we've been blessed, uh, in our 13 years to construct three church, I'm sorry, two churches, soon to be three uh, an apartment for a pastor, and then just much, you know, renovation and additions. And it's funny, even though I did work a little bit as a younger man, as a electrician assistant and a plumber's assistant, had a little bit of knowledge of basic, uh, rudimentary construction. Uh, I would not classify myself as a handyman. I'm definitely not someone who's like uh, Bob Vila. It's, it's a very old reference. This old house, but um, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't I didn't know enough to know and ask other missionaries who did have this experience. And so I got a lot of good uh, tips from missionaries before we got started. And like anything on the mission field and pretty much life, you learn along the way. And so we have been very blessed to have a number of construction groups come in and we've had... Varied experiences. Almost all of them wonderful experiences. Some we've learned some lessons that have helped us in the future. And so that's kind of what this podcast is about. It's not being an expert. It's really about uh, uh, sharing what Josh and I have learned over the years, not only in construction, but working with American groups uh, North American groups and working with national workers and how it can be a blessing to uh, really have both.
0: Yeah, certainly. uh, I would by no means consider myself to be professional when it comes to construction. And uh, I have, we have the experience of building, but (laughs) man, I, you don't want me to be doing the construction work at all, you know? And so I've learned just watching guys here doing some basic things, but yeah, it's, we've, uh, we built this building that we're in here and uh, we hosted, we did the same thing. We've had national workers uh, do a lot of the work and then we brought in teams and uh, we've really enjoyed Hosting groups to come in. The majority of our big teams have been construction teams that have come in, and uh, they've they've been a blessing. We've we've had nothing but good experiences with that. Now, saying that, because we're going to get into some of the details of pros and cons for hosting construction teams, but so so you know along that lines, Malik, Pastor Malik, uh, the lead pastor of our church here, we've discussed. Our upcoming building projects, because the area where we're going to build our goal for this new building, for the church building, is that the community would understand that this is a Senegalese, culturally, mm-hmm. uh, not relevant, but culturally uh, contextualized church. <clears throat> it's not just a church that is being put together and financed by the two Bobs even though a lot of the finances has come from overseas. uh, One exciting part is the property that we bought six pieces of property and the property that we're actually going to construct the church on is uh, the, the money was raised from the church here, from our church. And so while the rest of the property, we did raise funds overseas, the actual piece of property, the section that the church will be built on uh, was paid for by the church here, which is really exciting to me. And so uh, our we're, when message. we decide to build the church building in the coming months, we're actually not going to bring in a, a construction team for that. And then the community around will be able to see that this is a Senegalese-led venture this is a local church that is uh contextualized to the culture it is a Senegalese church uh, of course for some of the other projects down the road we we will probably bring in a couple teams and get you know to help out but uh i i attended before you let, before you went to the mission field uh you, you we talked about internships recently have you done had you done any other i forgot we probably talked about it but had you done any other Construction trips prior to going to the mission field, I did. I went with my grandfather to Mexico, and that was actually the trip that God touched my heart and called me to become a missionary. And so I'm I'm 100% for uh, mission trips, if it, especially construction trips, if it's done right.
1: Yeah, it's, it's exactly right. That's my testimony as well. Our first missions trip, my first missions trip I went on was to India in 2001. And basically, the men in our church had been going on missions trips and they had come back a few months earlier, actually a year earlier from uh, Senegal, from Uganda. And the testimonies I heard from the gentlemen there at church were like, wow, I need to do something like that. And so when I went on this missions trip to India, it was just to help finish up a church building. We basically built pews the whole week and a half we were there. And but the Lord really used that trip uh, more than just the construction we did to open my eyes to the need of the gospel around the world. And so we're going to talk about that a little later on. But, it's you know, Josh and I are people who re- literally are on the mission field today because uh, a church decided to go help build in some form or fashion on the mission field. And that's kind of our first question today. You know, why would you host a construction group from the States or from North America and we kind of want to go through the pros and cons, because there's tons, and we just want to kind of highlight a few. Uh, for me, Josh, the first pro, and it's not necessarily in sequential order, but just the one that kind of came to my mind, was that there's great encouragement from the churches that support you when they come and visit you. It's one thing to receive financial and prayer support, and we we definitely need that. We can't be missionaries without that, and and even communication uh, through emails and Social media, it has its limits on encouragement. Although, once again, it's very encouraging. But actually, coming to visit, spending uh, your time, your talents, and and your treasure to invest in a ministry shows the missionary that the church really cares about you. And so, for me, ultimately, the thing that I think I received the most encouragement is that these people, men and women, would take of their time having worked in the secular world. I know what it's like to give up your precious vacation not to mention your time and your money. And to me, I try to always explain that to our church people, that it's not like it's a bunch of rich people coming here and they have nothing but free time. They are really using usually one of their two or three vacation weeks to invest eternally in the Lord. And uh, still as a missionary on this side, that has a great impact on me. And I think that's a great pro to encourage the missionary.
0: Absolutely. I've heard it argued by some that, hey, why don't we just send you the money? I've had pastors tell me that and that's fine, but I'm in agreement with you. I think that if you sit down and think it through, you know, these, these are men and women who are taking rather than doing a vacation to, you know, uh, to Yosemite or Yellowstone or whatever it is you enjoy doing instead of going to the cabin this year, <laughs> we're going to take a family vacation or, we're you know, I'm going to go as an individual or maybe a father and son are going to go, a husband and wife are going to go. And we're going to take this money that we've set aside normally for vacation and we're going to do a mission trip with it. I know a lot of families that do uh, yearly mission trips rather than family vacation. And I think that's a brilliant idea. You're exposing your children to, you know, cultures outside your own, the world of missions. They get to meet with missionaries. They get to connect and understand a little bit of the reality of, of mission life and missionary families. And so Uh, I just, there's so many benefits to it. Uh, And again, I think that, you know, the money wise, and I think we've mentioned this in the past in other episodes, but, you know, financially speaking, one thing is true about missions is that God takes care of his own work Mm -hmm. and he takes care of those he calls. And so when it comes to the finances for construction, when it comes to finances for all that, uh, and that's a whole other podcast. Maybe we'll talk about about how much a missionary should invest, you know, from overseas into the work. Can it be a hindrance and all of that? Mm-hmm. That's for another time. But I certainly think that if, a, you know, if a father and son, for example, they want to instead of doing a vacation down south or wherever they might go, they want to come to Senegal and spend a week here. And if they're skilled with some you know, construction work and experience, then um, I think there's only benefits to that. And that's finances that they probably wouldn't have thought about to give toward missions. But now what it's allowing them to do is, well, we're going to use this experience missions. And now they've been exposed to the mission field where you are their heart has now connected not just their minds and uh from reading your prayer letters but now they're there they see it they hear it they smell it you know they're they're experiencing it and uh it's uh, they are unforgettable experiences mm-hmm. that will remain with you and there's a personal connection now with that missionary and that mission field and uh it's more uh, more personal prayer uh, support, more personal in the way you pray for the missionaries. You can be more specific and uh, and you develop even a hearted burden for the people that are there. So, yeah, I definitely <clears throat> see there are a lot of benefits to, to that for hosting uh, teams like that.
1: Yeah, and you brought up a good point about, you know, there are mission um, pastors who want to just send the money ahead. And there have been times that's happened in our instance where uh, it was more of a blessing to have that money in a quicker time frame than coordinating a long you know trip. And and there are times for that. We'll talk about that a little later. But there is one thing I came as a pro I thought about was uh, skilled labor at no cost. Um, certainly, there's skilled laborers here and all over the world. Obviously, in our own country, we have many skilled laborers, but when uh, a group comes and we'll talk about this a little later as well. But, you know, you do want to pick a group that knows what they're doing. Uh, generally, if it's their first trip and they don't know what they're doing, you, you might have to have some patience with them. But if they've, if they've been on trips before and they have at least four, you know, three to four guys who are kind of heading up the trip who know what they're doing. You know, you don't have to have everybody who's a chief. You need some Indians too, but uh, you need a couple chiefs, you know, you need a couple guys knowing what they're doing. And that can be very helpful because, You know, they are giving you their time free. And I've also found this too, Josh, that we almost without doubt, when we have American workers, North American workers, we also have nationals working alongside. And without doubt, if the Americans are working very, very hard, the nationals want to work even harder. And it's like you actually get more bang for your buck because the people you're actually paying to work as well will work harder and uh, sometimes even more diligently. So that is a great, uh, that's a great reason to have it. And you mentioned this a little bit too, when talking about the encouragement, i found personally, that's also a great encouragement to our family. You know, often groups will ask to bring in things for us, simple things that we can't uh, purchase here, which I'm sure in your case happens all the time because more difficult to find items and, you know, it may be a simple thing that our wife uses to cook, but boy, that has a great encouragement to our wives. Sometimes people bring in things like Lego sets, simple gifts for our kids. And it really shows them the love that other people have for them um, as missionary kids, as a missionary wife, and just allows them to realize they're not alone. There's people behind them praying, supporting, and coming, willing to come and see and encourage them along the way. And that that is a great blessing when you have a work group.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I'll just add two things along this thought process pattern is that number one yes it's such an encouragement and a blessing to our family i've posted in the past video of our kids receiving gifts and uh, just the joy on their faces as they're pulling out different gifts as they arrived um one of the teams that came they had a duffel bag full of toys for our kids and they were pulling them out and the kids were just having a wonderful time and and of course you know they'll bring some nice uh, tim horton's coffee and th- things you just can't Can't get here, you know, and that can be a real boost and encouragement, as well as the fellowship. We always love it when when women come on these teams, you know, because uh, Mm -hmm. Julie loves to make that connection, and we're in a Mm -hmm. part of the world where there just are not that many other women, uh, you know, with Western women, women with the same, you know, speak the same language and <laughs> have the same mindset. And so it's definitely a boost for the family. And then as well, like I'll give you an example with our experience about constructing when we built this building, uh, I got a couple estimates done. There was one construction team. They were basically uh, here in Senegal. It was an official business. They They do good quality work. But their estimate for the uh, mand'oeuvre or the uh, man d'oeuvre is uh, French, for the uh, for the payment for the workers, whatever it is for, uh, what do you call that? Just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what labor. you pay your workers. Labor. Yeah, the labor. Yeah. So the labor um, was going to be about $40,000. <laughs> and then another guy got an estimate from, he wasn't professional. He had just finished his uh, apprenticeship and his estimate for the entire building, three so that's three floors of building. His estimate was about $10,000 for manual labor is what he wanted to charge. So I knew, all right, I I went and looked at some of the work that this guy had done at the 10,000 rate. And I thought, okay, it it looks decent, but Mm -hmm. by having teams from the States come in at the same time and specifically construction teams who are experienced, right? So we had uh, my home church come, yeah. which half of the guys in our church, I mean, they, they're all into construction and, you know, farmers and you know builders and carpenters and uh, they know what they're doing. And so, by having them partnering with the nationals and work side by side, we had your church come in and um, they're they're just an incredible. Mm-hmm. Your pastor and the uh, uh, Temple Baptist Church there does such a tremendous job uh, bringing supplies and uh getting the work done they brought over yeah. a, a honda generator 2000 watt generator they brought over <laughs> a, uh, nice. a a an electric uh, cement mixer right i mean it's just insane what they were able to fit oh, I and bring story. over and uh <laughs> it was great and but their philosophy and i loved it was we're going to work side by side with the national workers and mm-hmm. um like you said when our national workers saw the pace that these men were willing to work at, like they were they were there first thing in the morning, they worked until late in the evening, that kind of motivated them to put in the extra effort, and uh, and it was just a great team effort mm-hmm. all along. It was a great testimony to the guys that were working here, and I know those who came were also blessed to be able to see just the needs that are here in Senegal. So, again, there there are a lot of benefits definitely to doing uh, to hosting a construction team.
1: Yeah. And so that's kind of that kind of dovetails the end of uh, some of the pros I had. I also put, like you said, encouragement to nationals. Um, I try to stress from the pulpit when a mission group is there, uh, like we mentioned before, that these people have uh, given up their time, uh, their talents and their treasure for them. And they love them, but they love Jesus Christ. But there are a few cons. We have to be always careful of um, some of these things. There are not very many of them, but you know josh kind of touched on this a little bit earlier but there is a con of having north too many north american groups come do all the work where it kind of seems like it's a north american church project instead of a local church project so you need to make sure you have nationals part of this work i remember a story if you're familiar with a nate saint's son steve saint um who went and followed his father's footsteps there in the jungle in ecuador And there was a church that some Americans had come and built and years later they went back to see it and it like hadn't been touched. And Steve said to the, you know, the leaders of the tribe, what, what has happened to the church? Why haven't you guys used the church? And they said, well, that wasn't our church. That was the, you know, the American's church, whoever built that church, you know, they never set foot (laughs) inside of it because they didn't look at it as their church. You know, somebody else went and built it. And there really is that. In fact, I have seen in our own some of our own construction, uh, a time that I've learned where we would have been a little more wise, even though we did use um, mostly national workers, there was there were a few things we could have done maybe a little better and had a little less uh, North American involvement, if you will. Uh, and, and it took a little while for right. that to kind of, for the neighborhoods, we'll say, to understand this was a Dominican church, not uh, an American-backed church. And so uh, that is a con, wouldn't you say, Josh?
0: Yeah, certainly. You have to, you have to weigh that out. Like I said, with our new construction that we're, you know, when we build in our new property uh, our when we first break ground and when we put the church building up, we're just using all Senegalese labor. Uh, There's a missionary that helps raise funds for different churches in in West Africa. And he already contacted me and said, he'll send us the funds out of his project that he does to help us construct the church. Uh, But he, he said, you know, I, you know, we don't need to send any teams out. Um, you can just use Senegalese labor. And that's what we plan to do. So when we built this area, um, we weren't planning on living in this house. It ended up that we ended up living here. So all the ministries take place on the first floor. And then on our, we live in the apartment on the second floor. And then we use the uh, the top floor as well. So. When we get finished building, the church does meet here. But this place is known as the house of the Tubab, the you know, or <laughs> Dauda's house. <laughs> My name here is Dauda or Tubab. And so, if somebody comes into our neighborhood and they say, "Where's the house of Dauda?" or "Where's the Tubab's house?", everybody knows to the point them here because we're the only white people <laughs> in this entire neighborhood where we live. And so, there there is that con. Only it it didn't hurt us in the long run, because if I was to take the video outside, you would see that we're in a tight-knit neighborhood. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not really a location where a church could be set up. Now, we meet Mm -hmm. here, of course, but it's okay that we're known as being Dowd's house, because I don't know how well-received it would be if, if everybody's like, oh, that's a church building. I don't think we'd have people coming to visit us as much as we do. We receive people all the time. People come and visit us all the time. And if they thought this was a church building, you wouldn't get as many Muslims coming. And so um, it actually worked out to our advantage that people associate this place with with Dauda, with the two that built it. On the other hand, that would be more of a detriment in the new area where we're building a church Mm -hmm. building. And so we're going to approach it with that different direction. So, you, if you're a missionary, you really need to take those things into consideration uh, before you begin to construct how you want to approach it.
1: And and Josh is right. I mean, just because maybe in the beginning people see it as American church, with time, you just you know, with national leadership and with, with showing people that this is a you know local church for the area, uh, it can be. Something that's, you know, after five, 10 years, it's not something to remember, but just something to consider as a possibility. So maybe make sure you have nationals helping you along the way. Um, One other con that we kind of touched on a little bit, and this is something where I got a lot of advice from other missionaries who'd gone before me and had mission groups. And they said, be very careful, uh, very uh, particular about who you let come and construct. Make sure they know what they're doing. Um, Now, it is true that eventually there might be churches who want to go on their first construction trip. And, you know, eventually there has to be a first time for some people. And if you want to be the one uh, to initiate, that's fine. You just always want to make sure they've got a few leaders on the group that know what they're doing with the project you're going to be doing. You know, in some cases, if it's a, a work trip that's going to be painting or something like that, or cleaning something out, you don't necessarily need highly skilled labor. But if you're talking about Concrete and you're putting up walls, if you're hanging lights, if you're installing bathrooms, if you're uh, building something that requires uh, some expertise, you want to have experts along the way. Because if you don't have experts, it's difficult. Because, for instance, if you have a maestro, they might call it a leader, uh, uh, uh someone we would call a foreman who speaks one language and the whole group speaks another language. And it's not just different languages, there's a language in construction as well. And if you don't know it, if you're like me, you're a computer programmer and you just move blocks from this side to this side and stir the cement and put some mud in, you know, there needs to be another interpreter for construction there. And so you want to be very careful that the groups have some experience or at least have experienced uh, leaders that can help those who are basically just the bumblebees helping out. And uh, that's very important. Or you're going to be You're going to be kind of frustrated as a missionary because you're going to be working very hard. Construction groups require a lot of logistics, a lot of work, and it's to the benefit of the ministry if it's a a successful week. Now, there are some things that you just can't plan, but you're going to plan a lot, and you want to make sure that your efforts aren't in vain. You have a group that can, in four or five work days, can accomplish a lot
0: absolutely i agree and i would say even more so if you're a missionary in a more developed nation sometimes the cost of labor is uh, way more than a place like here in senegal where labor is really your your lowest cost materials are more than labor labor is pretty cheap but it's harder to find good work uh, good workers who do good quality work that's why you know we considered all right let's partner some skilled laborers from the States with the workers here. And we're going to, you know, we'll try to develop something that turns into a decent building. But at the same time, if you're in a more developed country, you may want to consider, you know, hosting a team to do construction, but that if it, you know, it may even be cheaper in the long run with labor costs, possibly, possibly, but you need to take into consideration Who you bring in, like Eric said, because you need to make sure, especially if you're in a more developed country, that these guys know what they're doing and they'll be able to make sure things are up to code. Mm -hmm. If there's codes in your area, um, if there's, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever needs to be done, it needs to be done right. And so uh, make sure you find a team, even look up, you know, there's a lot of mission agencies that have a branch of their agency where they have actual construction teams Mm -hmm. and they host all of that. And I know with BIMI, our mission agency, we can put a plug in for Claim, Christian yep. Laymen Assisting International That's Missionaries. Right. And uh, we've hosted them in the past a couple of times. Right. They do an excellent job. Or find a church Great like group. Eric's home church or my home church where the, the men and women in the church understand construction. They, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, really it begins at the home church level with the leadership with whether it's the pastor or uh, somebody in charge that the pastor can trust who can help not only put together a good team of skilled laborers, but also understands the reality of working on a foreign field and how to navigate uh, kind of that world of working with nationals while at the same time, you know, doing construction that may not be to the quality you do it in the States. Um, you know, I've had a couple guys we hosted that they just, everything they did, they just looked at it with their head cocked, like, what? Like, that's that's how you do it. Yeah. And sometimes you just gotta that's be right like, here. well, that's just how yeah. we do it. You know, we just gotta do it that way. Um, and so it's, it's, yeah, again, there's pros and cons to it, but uh, I would say definitely, if you're gonna have a serious construction group, do your research, make sure that, that the uh, church you're bringing in or the team that you're bringing in that they they are skilled laborers they know what they're doing and uh you know pray for you need humility as well whether you're whether you're hosting a team or you're going on one of these mission teams uh be mm-hmm. humble in your approach to how you're going to do the building and and especially if you're going to if you're going to go on one of these trips <clears throat> Just understand, you know, we're there to be a blessing to the work of God and to the missionary family and to the national church. And we're there to serve. And uh, I think it it can be a great blessing all around, however you decide to approach it.
1: And the last con, I mean, there may be other cons, but to be honest, I think Josh and I would be mostly pro in every facet. Uh, But one con is one that I want to speak to, because I also saw this uh, on the mission. I have observed this. There is a limit. There's too many groups you can have uh, that can be very difficult for the missionary. That can be very difficult for the missionary family. Now, I do understand because in our life, we did this at one time. You know, there's a season in life when you're constructing your building. And so there may be a time where you have a lot of groups within a short amount of time. But you do need to pray about it and understand that physically, mentally, emotionally, there's a limit. And it's very taxing and draining on the missionary to have a construction group because it requires a lot of brain power a lot of planning lots of logistics uh, there's a lot of pressure i mean it's certainly pressure when i have my pastor here other preachers here other people you you are caring for americans and in, in many ways you are you are babysitting them but that that is not a patronizing view it's it's you work taking care of them not to mention all the other responsibilities you have as a missionary, your church or churches, uh, your family. And so these are very uh, taxing and difficult um, weeks, and they are for the Lord's glory and hopefully a great benefit. But you want to be real careful to have, make sure you have some buffer times in there when groups come and go. There's a time for you to catch your breath, your family to catch your breath, maybe to get a day away to, to recharge before the next group comes in. I knew one gentleman who told me a story about... I think he had something like seven straight weeks in how he did this. And, you know, he's this crazy guy. And and uh, just it's uh it wasn't the smartest idea. He was telling me this like as a con- confession of his sins in a way. And so uh, you just want to be real careful that uh, you make sure you space your groups out properly for you and your family and your ministry to be able to accept these groups.
0: Yeah, certainly. You really, if you're a missionary and you're going to host a construction team, you become a coordinate. You're basically the coordinator and chief, mm-hmm. and you're going to spend most of your time. If you're a missionary and you've never hosted a construction team yet, most of your time, you're not actually going to get a lot of fellowship, to be honest with you, uh, your wife will, your kids will, but you're going to be busy, uh, moving back and forth. When we hosted a team, we had two, we had two sites that we were working at. And so I was constantly going back and forth to different sites. You got to make sure everybody's Mm -hmm. got the materials they need. Uh, you got to oversee if there's a problem, if this happens, if there's an injury, uh, you just have to have everything on, on the ready yeah. and you're constantly moving. And so it can be exhausting. Oh, yeah. um, I, we usually take a break and, you know, get away after we host any teams and uh, we enjoy that, mm-hmm. but, but we, it, it's a lot of fun. We really enjoy it. We try to plan even maybe a day where we get to see the sites with the teams that come, but uh, it can be tough depending on how big mm-hmm. your team is, what yes. kind of transportation you have, mm-hmm all of that you mm-hmm. you are responsible for every detail and you need to make sure you sit down and just have every single day planned out morning to night where everybody's staying where's everybody sleeping who's picking everybody up who's dropping everybody off who's cooking the meals who's going to you know bring all of that has to mm-hmm. be laid out in advance and then we try to send a schedule to the uh, churches before they come, so they know where they're staying, where they're sleeping, what their schedule is, and how everything's going to work out. So it's a lot of work. It can be rewarding for sure. Yeah. Uh, it can, you know, you can have negative experiences or positive. But I think there's more positives and more pros than there are to uh, negatives.
1: So Josh, before we kind of conclude, just kind of want to maybe tie a bow on this, and maybe someone's sitting here thinking about constructing, and they're thinking, well, what, what should I consider? Uh, before I host a missions construction team. And, you know, the thing I would always say, first and foremost, is what can the group do for you? Is it something that's going to be a blessing to your ministry? Or would it be rather uh, better that the nationals do this project? Or could it be maybe the two together? Uh, but that's, that's kind of what we've talked about. One of the most obvious ones we need to talk about is, do we have the funds to complete this project? Um, often, mission groups want to come alongside and help uh, provide the materials, um, I'd be very wary of a group that wants to come and just use your money that doesn't want to at least assist in some form or fashion. And I would say 99% of groups want to do that. That's yeah. part of the one of the things they want to do. And so that's also a blessing for the missionary. Sometimes you might be just kind of short on some of the funds of something you want to do. And a group says, well, not only do we want to come help you construct, we can help assist in some of the costs of the materials. And so you just want to start looking through it like, can we handle this also? Like, is is uh, is it possible that logistically we can have the housing, the food, uh, we have safety, we have materials, uh, we have the funds? Um, you know, those are all things to consider. If you're in a very remote area, it would be difficult for people to get there and the cost would be very high. It may not be the smartest idea. So all of these things you need to consider as a missionary. Is it going to be a benefit to the ministry? Is it going to be a benefit for these groups? Um, and can we afford to do this project?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And take into consideration as well, um, you know, you want the people of your church to, to take ownership of the building project to understand that we know the church is not buildings. This is just brick and mortar. And uh, we emphasize that all the time in our church, that we are a church family. We are the family of God. We are, uh, whether we had a building to meet in or a tree we sit under, we're still the church, and the work of God will move on. And that's why I think when it comes to whether or not you have teams come in, how much you're willing to spend, um, you know, there's there are things to take into consideration, as you know, beyond just what Eric already mentioned. But you need to think about um, the size of your church. You need to think about the income and the uh, capa- the the ability of your church to maintain a building, um, mm-hmm. don't overbuild beyond what, you know, your church is able and capable yeah. of sustaining. We built this building. I think I mentioned it in the past, but we built this building knowing that we would have to sustain it with American and, and Canadian support from churches. But we also knew that this is just a, another tool in the vast arsenal of tools that we use to reach people with the gospel, and so we built this building as if it was a house, and it is really a house where our church meets, uh, so that we can as well host and uh, invite others to come who are not in the Christian faith, specifically those who are Muslim, and they can come and join us for meals and uh, maybe a film night and things like that. So, so we viewed it as a tool that, uh, yeah, we'll we'll make sure we put some money into it and we'll sustain it as long as we're here. But then it's also it can the church, you know, if we ever get kicked out of the country, the church can either sell this property or they can rent it out and uh, it can be a source of income. Whereas when we build our church building, we're designing designing the church according to what the church can sustain. We're going to design the building right. according to what we can sustain. And so if the church can't pay for, you know, an air conditioner bill, which they can't right now. <laughs> yeah no, we won't have an air conditioner. We'll just have fans and things like right. that. And so you just, you right. do what you got to do, take those things into consideration. Um, but, you know, I, I have no issue, obviously, you know, we've done it here with using, I, th- I think it's, it, if if stewarded wisely, uh, y- you can really advance and, and honor God with the the sacrifices and the giving of the churches in the, in the States and in Canada and North America mm-hmm. who give toward these things uh for building, you know, the Muslims do it here. The so- Saudi Arabia sends out billions and billions of dollars every year to build mosques in third world countries, but they don't send out their yeah. construction workers. They just locally source everything. And so The irony to, like, you know, us building here, everybody looks at it in the neighborhood and may say, oh, this is just a a white person project. Well, your nice mosque down the street was just funded by, you know, Saudi Arabians. And uh, but nobody mentions that. I mean, it's the same thing. It's just uh, the difference is the Saudis didn't come to actually build it. So, yeah, you got to really think about the cultural implications of hosting teams. And then uh, what can your church sustain? what's your goal with what you're building a lot of factors to take into consideration. But um, in yeah. the end, uh, I think, I think hosting teams that know what they're doing could be a great blessing.
1: Especially if when you look at the financial aspect of a group coming in and obviously participating in the financial part of this, one of the things we've always done from the very beginning, even before we hosted our first missions group was that our church here in the mission field would be a missions minded churches. Uh, Church. You know, it's amazing to me so many times that missionary, fellow missionaries are surprised to hear how many missionaries we support. It's not a lot of money, but it's from the very beginning, we wanted our church to be missions minded. So when another mission group comes in to serve, we want them to see, hey, this is a great model for us. And then we ourselves now are, we've gone on day trip mission trips. We uh, have set up now to go into the capital and us to go as a mission team to go help construct a church and we want people to catch that fever and say look look at these guys who love the lord they love missions they don't even know you but they want to see this work go now we're going to go do that as well that's what missions is this isn't north american mindset this is a biblical mindset and when we had our mission groups coming in We also, because the first church we built, we didn't have as many actual workers to employ. We had a lot of professionals. People were doctors, lawyers, store owners. But we did put before them, hey, these guys are are doing this work for our benefit. Let's make sure that we're doing our part. And we had the most missions giving in our local church that we ever had. Now, did it compare equally to the Americans? No, but their generosity was was known. And I think it was spurred on by those Americans coming to to give their time, talent, and treasure. And so mission groups, if done correctly, can be such a boost to your church if it's done in a biblical way and shown to be, this is for the heart of Christ. This is not charity.
0: Absolutely, We've, we we had the same experience. I know I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but when we hosted, uh, you know, teams to come in and they partnered with Senegalese workers, the neighborhood would come out and watch. You got all these white people working side by side with with workers and laborers here, <laughs> and it didn't matter the task, no matter how menial. Uh, this this neighborhood just never saw that before. They never saw somebody mm-hmm. who you know, especially european or white people americans canadians never saw them down in the dirt side by side yeah. with senegalese workers and it made a big impact you know not just on our church but on our community and um it does it, it can leave some beneficial impacts that especially i think for an islamic context where we work they're told you know by by their media by their religious leaders This is what Christians in America are like. They're, you know, debauchery, they're bad, they're prideful, all of this. Like everything that's bad that you see on TV, that's what all Americans Mm. are like. And then when they actually meet you and they see the spirit of Christ being lived out, you may not be able to communicate. And I know that's a frustrating aspect of anybody who takes a mission trip, not being able to communicate Mm. in certain countries. But just your humility, your joy in labor and service uh makes a lasting impact beyond what uh what you could imagine well i would say just one more negative is uh if mm-hmm. you're a missionary and you're hosting a team make sure you let your team know to be careful with encourage them to make friendships with people that they're working with but just be mm-hmm. careful of the the personal contact afterward um Mm-hmm. I know, for example, when we were on deputation, some of the larger churches uh, sometimes the pastor would tell the missionaries, uh, "We don't want you to make direct contact with our with our people," uh, simply because, and I understood why. You know, they there were you know some wealthy bad people experience. in the church, and they had a bad experience of missionaries singling out maybe some of the wealthy church members and then Mm -hmm. going to them directly, you know, and that's not, you know, that's not very tactful and that's not really a a wise thing to do if you're a missionary, but if you're on the field, you need to take that same thing into consideration and just give a heads up to the reality that sometimes the friendships you might make with a national worker, whether he's a believer or not down the road, they may write you and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. be asking for some financial aid and, uh, especially if they're a non-believer, they may have some crazy story they'll come up with, and uh, we've we've had a couple instances where we yeah. had to kind of deal with that and help cut it mm-hmm. off. And so I would uh, I would say if you're a missionary, just make sure that you uh, if you have a debriefing session and try to do that. We tried to have a daily debrief, <laughs> but before they left, yeah. we kind of went over some of that uh, to just be careful. We encouraged them, hey maintain these relationships whether it's social media whatever but when it comes to any financial aid they might request just send them back to the missionary that that they're working with and uh tell them you're praying for them so
1: yeah well you know and lastly i I will say on the missionary side now you realize when a church approaches you they've already thought this through they think they've got a group they probably want to help out financially they are willing to go out by faith uh, to come support you, encourage you. And we already talked about the benefits for the missionary side, but there are a lot of benefits on the local church side, you know, to getting to know your missionary. I know before I became a missionary, all the mission trips I went on, I, we, we have a special bond and, and fraternity with those men and women to this day. Um, in fact, I, I've talked about it a little bit. We're going to talk about more expensive, extensively when Holly and I have a testimony. I, I got to know Holly in such a way that I really uh, had a great liking for her after that trip because I saw her in a difficult <laughs> situation, l- still love the Lord. And, and so these kind of trips really uh, build the camaraderie in a church and allow people, if they never become missionaries, they usually pray more for missionaries, more interested in missions, yeah. give more to missions, more willing to let their children go on missions trips and maybe possibly become missionaries. And so you have to look at this as an in investment. I know Josh does this uh, with so many other areas. We talked about internships, things like that. But but where construction trips really do build a fraternity and camaraderie in your church on the local church side, back in the supporting church, that as the missionary, you have to see that as a great benefit. We just recently went back to a supporting church. And we were talking. They had sent a few different trips over the years. And we were talking with different men and women who had come on the trip. And, you know, we hadn't seen these people or communicated with these people and some of them seven years, eight years. And it was like just we we had this kindred spirit from the week we spent together, yes. you know, slopping, slopping, uh, you know, uh, mud and concrete and, and construction. And we did it for the glory of the Lord. And so when they see this church building and people's lives changed you know, they realize that week they had was a great investment and they give more to missions. They love missions. They pray for missionaries. And you as a missionary need to see that hard week of work as a tremendous eternal investment, not only in the local church there, but in local churches around the world.
0: That's absolutely correct. Now, as we close out here, if a missionary called you up and said, hey, Eric, I'm going to host a uh, construction team. W- what's What are some of the basics I need to know to prepare for? What do you tell them? Be ready for this.
1: You know, if the Bible says count the cost. You know, you you got to go through the project. You've got to make sure that you can do this. Make sure all the things we just mentioned. But you got to make sure that you can handle this project and you can handle a group and logistically you can see how all the puzzle pieces fit. If there's a big hole in your in your plan, be very careful. Uh, If you don't have a place for them to stay, they'll just stay in my house and your wife is not keen on that. That's not going to work. You know, if you don't have a bus to drive around, that's not going to work. If you don't really have enough money to to make enough materials for the week, that's not going to work. If you don't have, you know, uh, uh, really a lot for them to do, that's not going to work. So you really have to work through your plan and then say, okay, we're ready to do this. We are literally doing this right now, Josh, for a year and a half. I've been thinking, thinking, thinking on it. And just within the last few weeks, the Lord said, all right. It's time to do it. And so now we're formulating our plan. But you really, you you, got to have a good plan. It's biblical. Count the cost before you start down that road.
0: Yeah, it takes months of preparation, logistics, logistics, logistics. Make sure your material is ready. Uh, You know, order, order more than you need. Uh, for the project you can always use it later Um, you just make sure everything Mm -hmm. is in place and ready to go have a backup plan if uh, luggage doesn't arrive what are you going to do we have our airport is is four hours away and so we had one young man who arrived on a team he didn't get his luggage and so we were scraping together clothing for him and you just just always have a backup Uh, meals make sure meals are prepped and that you're ready to go with that Um, I know I mentioned this on an earlier podcast about mission Mm. trips but uh one of the uh one of the couples that came on one of the construction teams told my wife yeah we arrived in the country and the missionary wife handed us a list and said well here's some meal ideas i had you guys can go ahead and just you know go like make it and they were in a country where they could go to a supermarket but like they had nothing bought like they had to go out use their credit card, buy the meal, you know, it was just nothing was planned and prepared. So I think that's an issue where maybe Mm. the husband hosted this team without the wife uh, approving of it. So make sure you're on the same page, Uh, keep open communication and uh, try try to always have every detail covered for sure.
1: Yeah, uh, I reiterate all that Josh said. Americans don't like to wait. So make sure you have everything ready to go. They don't like, because they, listen, it, it makes sense. They're spending their time and their talent and their treasure. They want to get something accomplished. So your job is to make sure that you have plan A, plan B, plan C, yeah. and plan D in case you can't. Now, sometimes the weather, sometimes circumstances, you can't do nothing about that. But your job is to be ready and uh, make sure that, that you can have a great week uh, serving the Lord together. Certainly.
0: Well, excellent. Uh, I know there's more we could talk about, but... Man, I'm uh, excited
1: to build now, Josh. Let's go. Yeah, I know.
0: We are Start. ready to get started. Cool, We're, Let's go. Yeah. we. Uh, the area that we just bought land in, it's called the uh, Villeneuve Newtown. And uh, the developer of the property, he is Senegalese, but he's lived in the United States for 25 years, not far from Valley Forge, uh, where we have mm-hmm. a supporting church there. And so he has a very American mindset about development, which we're going to work very well together, but he gets frustrated over kind of the, the approach of working here and just things not being on time. And, but I'm excited because he's got, he really has a vision to see that area developed nicely. And of course, we want to fit in with that. So, yeah, we are ready to go and uh, get some construction done. I know once we have our church building up and we're ready to build a clinic and a dormitory, we're definitely going to host. In fact, I just got an email this morning uh, from your home church asking, Hey, when you guys need another construction team, we're ready to come out. And so, we're definitely going to plan that in the near future. We're looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, let's get this done.
1: That's one of the most exciting parts of the missionary life. In fact, as I mentioned, and we can finish on this, uh, last Saturday we had a mission, I'm sorry, a a youth activity. And the Lean to church that our uh, third church is using was full and uh, has been full most of the services lately. And there's nothing more exciting than thinking, wow, our church is full. We've got to build. We've got to build something larger because uh, there are more people coming to hear the gospel be saved and grow in the Lord. So that's what construction is about is providing tools where people can come and hear the word and have their lives change. So you listener, if you're not a missionary, you should go on a construct missions, construction team, missionary. If you're a missionary and you can handle it, you should have one.
0: That's right. And Hey, not just construction. Don't go back and listen to uh, the interview with Bradley (laughs) Edmondston,
1: And uh, he was also
0: mentioned in that interview that if you want to do a medical mission trip, Uh, You can, uh, whether you have medical experience or not, they're always looking for people to travel. And so go on their website. We have a medical team with Medical Mission Outreach. We're hosting next March and they're looking for spots and we'd love to have you come. You'll be able to see our new property and uh, see where we're gonna build our clinic and uh, partnering with Medical Mission Outreach and all of that. So we're we're really excited about it. So whether it's construction, medical, whatever it may be, a family vacation, consider going to the Mm -hmm. mission field and uh, find a missionary that enjoys hosting uh whether it's families or teams and uh connect with somebody and hey if you're a missionary it'll only mostly bring blessings okay you'll you'll have the odd crazy experience but uh most part it's they're going to be blessings attached with hosting those and so i can't reiterate enough well this is josh mead from senegal west africa
1: and eric johnson from the dominican republic
0: Have a great day.